0: You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, December 16th, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to learn more about a new Oriole. Now, the O's took two players in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft last week, a couple of right-handed pitchers, Nolan Hoffman, we talked about on an episode last week, and Cole Yuvala, who we talked about on Tuesday's episode, and make sure to go back and listen to those, but a couple hours after the Rule 5 draft, at least the minor league phase, had ended last week, the Orioles acquired another right-handed pitcher, and that was Tommy Wilson, who was initially in the New York Mets system. The Mariners selected him in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft. And then just a couple hours later, the Orioles sent cash considerations over to the Seattle Mariners to acquire Wilson via trade, and now he heads into 2022 in the O's organization. So we wanted to break down you know, who Tommy Wilson is, not just as a pitcher, but as a person as well, because he's got... An interesting story there. So we'll give you some background on Wilson in his baseball career, tell you a little about him. And then we're going to be joined by Ernest Dove here on the podcast, who does a fantastic job covering the New York Mets farm system, specifically the St. Lucie Mets at the high A level where he watched Tommy Wilson pitch uh, for a good chunk of the 2019 season. He has also interviewed Wilson multiple times talking about his career And, uh, you know, Ernest does a lot of baseball writing. As well. And he'll come on the pod to talk about Tommy Wilson, what he does best, what he needs to work on, how his delivery has changed, some of the injuries he has gone through, and what he could do for the Orioles in the minors next season. And then we'll uh, cap it off with a couple of Orioles news and notes before we go here on today's pod. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. And I know I'm thanking people pretty much every day at this point, but I truly do mean it. Locked on Orioles, of course, it's free and available on every podcast listening platform. Don't have to pay anything for it. You just download the podcast and listen. And Also, you know we're the only Orioles pod out there bringing you content five days a week. Now, this is our final week of five days a week, Monday through Friday, of this part of the offseason during the lockout. Starting next week when we return on Monday, we will be three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, just for the next couple of months until we get closer to spring training and hopefully uh, get out of this lockout. But even when we get to that point, we're going to be the only Orioles podcast out there bringing you three episodes a week. So if you like what you're hearing, like, download subscribe whatever you need to do to uh, follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform and then if you do listen on apple podcast if you could give us a five-star rating and a review on that apple podcast app that really really helps me out really really helps out the pod helps me continue to bring you this content here on locked on orioles but again we thank you for making locked on orioles your first podcast listen of the day and for your first listen today we're talking about tommy wilson the 25-year-old right-handed pitcher who the Orioles acquired from the Seattle Mariners last week just a couple hours after he was selected by the Mariners from the Mets in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft. And first, just a little bit of background on, you know, who Tommy Wilson is as a pitcher and as a person. Again, 25 years old, and he'll turn 26 next May, is a native of Los Angeles, California, about a 6'4, 220-pound right-handed pitcher. And this is a guy who was not a super high draft pick. He was taken in the 19th round of the 2018 draft by the Mets out of Cal State Fullerton. Now that is a pretty dang good program at the Division I level. Of course, Thomas Eshelman uh, had a fantastic career at Cal State Fullerton. And, you know, Wilson was pretty dominant, especially his final year with Cal State Fullerton, where they went to a super regional. Uh, He was arguably the ace of the staff through about 90 innings, had a 2-7-1 ERA. But, you know, it wasn't a long, you know, career of success at the D1 level. So, He ended up being a 19th round pick in 2018 by the Mets. And, you know, he went to the New York Penn League for the Brooklyn Cyclones, which was short season single A. He was pretty dominant. He pitched in 11 games out of the bullpen, but kind of as a long relief type. And in 22 innings at the short season level, he was one of the best pitchers in that league. 22 innings, he had a 1.23 ERA. He allowed just 13 hits, three earned runs, struck out 27 batters, and walked just seven without allowing a homer in those 22 innings. So immediately, you see a 19th-round pick in his first pro season at age 22, and uh, he had some eyebrows raised around the Mets' system. So, of course, he gets promoted to start 2019, and he skips low A. The Mets sent him right to high A St. Lucie. And he was dominant once again. They put him in the rotation. He made eight starts at St. Lucie at the high A level. Had a 2.01 ERA in those eight starts. In 44 and two-thirds innings, he allowed just 10 runs on 33 hits. Struck out 36. Walked just 14. And allowed only one home run. So the strikeout pace was down a little bit. But everything else looked good. And The Mets said, all right, time to go to double A. He was 23 years old. He had dominated low A and high A. And he went to AA, and things changed a little bit. He finished out the 2019 season with the AA Binghamton Rumble Ponies, and he made 13 starts down the stretch with Binghamton and posted a 4.96 ERA. In 69 innings, he allowed 65 hits. He did strike out 60. He only walked 18. But the big difference was, and the ballparks play a difference here, but he gave up just one home run in 45 innings at high A. He gave up 11 home runs in 69 innings in A, and that was Probably the biggest reason why his ERA took such a jump in 2019. So, you know, the Mets kind of figured, eh, maybe let's keep him at that level. Of course, he didn't pitch in 2020 because the minor league season was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And he came back in 2021 and early in the year dealt with uh, just a couple of different kind of nagging minor injuries uh, that that kept him out for a little while in 2021. He was inactive to start the year, and he did not pitch until June 24th, where he pitched an inning out of the AA bullpen, and he gave up three runs, and then essentially right back to inactive he went and did not pitch again until July 20th, and that was when it seemed he was finally fully healthy. So he missed a long time, but he got to July, and at the end of the month, he threw four scoreless innings in his first three appearances of the year and actually was dominant to start the year stayed healthy in early July or in late July I should say and early August and he did not allow a run over his first 6 appearances out of the AA bullpen after that you know pretty bad first appearance back in June and that totaled overall 9 scoreless innings before he finally gave up a run but he pitched throughout August out of the bullpen, Uh, but then his season was done. They placed him back on the seven-day injury list on September 6th, And that was it for him. He did not pitch again. So at the end of the season for Tommy Wilson, it wasn't much of a sample size. He pitched in just 10 games out of the AA Binghamton Rumble Ponies bullpen in 2021. Now, he did have a 2.35 ERA, which is a good sign. He picked up one save. In 15 and a third innings, he allowed just four runs on 10 hits, struck out 18, walked five, hit two batters, and allowed one home run in his 20. 21 season. But, you know, there were some questions about his injuries. And of course, you know, when you only pitch 15 innings, you you can't really deduce too, too much from it. But for Wilson, he's kind of a, a fastball, you know, cutter, breaking ball, changeup guy and a guy who changed his delivery as well. He used to have a real funky delivery where his hands would pop in and out of his glove, but kind of simplified it a bit, a little bit in 2021. And of course, you know, moved really to a relief role for the first time in 2021 as well, but was able to find some success. And his 10.6 Ks per nine uh, were way up from about 7.6 Ks per nine in 2019. So obviously something clicked and, uh, you know, the walk numbers really didn't change at all while the strikeouts went way up. But of course, that's just me, you know, reading about Tommy Wilson looking at his stats, but we've got someone who actually has watched Tommy Wilson pitch and has talked to him multiple times just about his baseball career. And that is Ernest Dove, who is going to join us on the podcast. Dove who uh, is a Mets minor league system reporter and analyst. He writes uh, over at The Sports Report and uh credential Media member of the St. Lucie Mets in high A covers that team and uh, saw Wilson pitch many a times back in that 2019 season at the high A level. So, Ernest is going to join us here to talk about Wilson's time in the Mets system uh, you know, what he does well, what he needs to work on, his pitch repertoire, and uh, what he could do with the Orioles in their system next year. Again, that's coming up here with Ernest Dove. We talk about one of the Orioles' newest minor league pitchers in the right hander, Tommy Wilson. So we'll get to learning more about new Orioles minor league right-handed pitcher Tommy Wilson with our guest in just a second. But first, got to tell you about Stance and their fantastic, comfortable clothing, which also looks good. And really, it makes you feel good. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. And Stance, you know, they've got uh, some cool collaborations like uh, The Office, Disney, Marvel, and how about with Major League Baseball as well. And, uh, you know, Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, whether it's, you know, you're wearing socks, you're wearing your clothes, whatever it may be, that those who feel good do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase and use the promo code locked on at checkout to apply the discount. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance. All right, so we welcome Ernest Dove into the podcast, who does a fantastic job covering the New York Mets minor league system, and uh, Ernest, first of all, thank you so much for joining the show.
0: Thanks, man. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, so we bring you on to talk about Tommy Wilson, who I guess technically was not an Orioles draft pick uh, in the minor league phase, the Rule 5 draft, but he... Came to the organization on the same day. He was in the Mets organization. He was picked by the Mariners, and then the Orioles just a couple of hours later uh, sent some cash over to Seattle to acquire Tommy Wilson, the right-handed pitcher. And the first thing I wanted to ask is, I know you've been able to, to talk to Tommy uh, in the past and recently, and you know he's with Seattle for about three hours. He puts out a tweet, uh, you know, the, a big thank you to the Mariners organization, all this kind of stuff. Like it seems like at least personality-wise, it's a pretty like well-liked guy. Um, in the system who who's got a you know a, a pretty good personality that obviously can help uh, in a clubhouse as well.
0: Yeah, I've always known him as a really cool guy and uh, I was even kind of messaging him privately, all excited, making jokes about him joining the Seattle Mets organization because they keep picking all the Mets players in the last like two years. So he was pretty excited about it just for the sake of you know, hey that's, that's all right, bring on the opportunities. He wasn't scared or worried he was uh, he loved the Mets organization, but, you know, especially in the minors, it's all about opportunity. If somebody wants to give me a shot, I'm excited either way. Let's play ball.
1: Yeah, so he uh, he got himself to double A back in 2019 with the Mets, and he was there as well in 2021. Ten games out of the bullpen for him. He had a 2-3-5 ERA in about 15 innings, 18 Ks, and five walks. So I, I wanted to start, you know, I know he had a little bit of an injury issue, and, and that's why he only pitched in the 10 games. But this was the year where they, you know, really did move him to the bullpen. And I just wanted to ask, like, if you knew what was behind that role and and how he changed, if at all, as a pitcher, you know, working out of the pen this year.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if it was specifically fully planned out from the beginning. Um, obviously, he was a full time starter in 2019. He logged a lot of innings, so he was good to go. Got the delayed start with some, as far as I know, some more all basically minor uh, injuries throughout spring. And then when he started, it was probably more about, well, we just want you to log in and, and kind of get the flow going to the season. But just the way the season was, the way it started a little late anyway in general for the uh, certain minor leagues, the level. So it wasn't really fully expected on his end to transition. with, with I, It looks like at this point it might be full-time uh, starter now to reliever. I don't know. And he doesn't know yet about the Orioles organization, obviously, at this point. But I was wondering and thinking it could be a really good opportunity and a good thing for him specifically based on his makeup. It probably would look better anyway out of the pen, unless you consider him one of those long mans and the SP sixes to eights or something uh, helping out as needed. But this could be a, a good role for him anyway, based on how he projects and how he pitches.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to talk about you know what kind of his his stuff looks like, and, and you know obviously it'll it'll change a little bit when guys go to the bullpen. Sometimes they can get an extra mile per hour or two on the fastball, but in terms of stuff, you know, what is he heading out to the mound with?
0: And with me, when I was covering him in 2019, he's a guy that throws in the low 90s. Which for any righty pitcher in today's baseball, if you throw in the low 90s, everybody freaks out and wondering what's going to happen. So he's a he's definitely a low 90s guy. So it's more about pitcher movement. Uh, that was one of the things that was pretty much helping him dominate uh, in the, at the high A level in 2019 was some of the movement. And I really thought it was more about good deception uh, with his pitching and delivery. But there was some mechanical tweaks that he felt had to be adjusted. We can talk about. So uh, but at that point, he was still using a, an interesting delivery where he kept his hands separated the whole time. So, the glove hand and the hand with the ball was like kind of separated as he pitched, but the movement was good on his fastball. Uh, the the, the off speed stuff, he's admitting it's been a work in progress. So, it's more about the movement and the off speed stuff in general, but having the right command, it was working for him with the movement.
1: You talked about that delivery, and actually I had, I had heard somebody say something about it and, and read something from Eric Longenhagen at Fangraphs, and he had, he had talked a bit about Tommy Wilson and saying, you know, this I, I believe this was back in, in 2020 before he had, he had made the change, and he said he liked Wilson, but he was also concerned about that delivery because he said the ball was out of his glove so early that he was almost worried that hitters could pick up the grip while he was in his windup. And so, you know, what kind of was that change that he made going into this year?
0: Yeah, I guess it seems like, you know, that's obviously the biggest thing. And it obviously worked for him at the class high A level. And it looks like even admittedly, he made the jump to double A and it looks like an assessment was made anyway by the Mets coaching staffs and everything in player development that maybe the double A hitters at that point were having a better opportunity to see it. Because I was trying to see, okay, go through the windup, You can kind of see it, but maybe he's got it behind his back. And there was ways to be deceptive. And again, his ball has a certain movement, even on the fastball. So that's what was working at high A. But it seemed like an easy determination. Once he hit double A in 2019, his stats were going up and down. He was having really bad outings, and then had a bit of a break and came back and started doing well at the end in 2019 in double A. So he had a hard kind of jump hitting that double A level. So then, yeah. Ever since after prior to the 2021 season, when I was asking, he definitely made an easy adjustment at this point to get rid of that completely. So now, yeah, the ball is now more covered, uh, and he's happy with the results that showed in 2021.
1: Yeah, to have a you know to go from a about a five ERA to about a two ERA at the same level. Um, obviously, some of that has to do with you know two years. You get older, you get stronger, you get more insightful. But also you know, that change obviously. Uh, helped him a bit as well in his delivery. I did want to ask about you know you seeing him in St. Lucie in 2019. He was 23 years old. He was dominating a 2.01 ERA and eight starts before he got moved up to Double A. When you would see him pitch, like you know, what could you identify that was on on a certain day that that made you know like, hey, you know, Tommy today looks like the the guy who's you know going to give him five six really good innings. Like like what were those indicators that were working for him on the mound?
0: To me, still, again, it's uh. It's all about the movement on his pitches and the fastball' uh, mostly sitting behind home plate watching the games covering the games. even have one of my uh, friends who's kind of some version of an amateur scout himself so it was more talking about you see how the ball's moving today once the ball's moving but staying in the zone at that level even throwing low 90s when the ball's moving like that, but he has the command to, to eat some strikes and get those in it, it always ended up being a really good day for him, especially in Florida with the weather being crazy. Ball's not always flying out there. It's a good ballpark for him, and that's what it's all about. He has to have command of the multiple pitches, and he's usually good to go when he's locked in.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the ball not really flying out of the ballpark. I know he gave up just one homer in 45 innings in St. Lucie. He gave up just one homer in those 15 innings of relief this year um, in Binghamton in AA. So, you know, he's been able to avoid those homers, and that is huge if he's going to get to the big leagues in his current organization. Because if he's going to get to Camden Yards, that is quite a hitter's ballpark, and uh, the Orioles obviously looking for guys who could prevent homers. But I know he also has a relationship already uh, with another Orioles prospect who recently came from the Mets, and that is Kevin Smith. And uh, I know you know you told me this off the air that those two guys were were fairly close with the Mets, and now kind of reunited with the Orioles.
0: Yeah, they're obviously were excited about it like many you know things in the minor leagues these guys are kind of grouping up have to do what they do don't make a lot of money so i know at one point in 2019 they were roommates so it was pretty exciting now obviously for them once they heard they were going to be back together and because again they were also in the rotation together at the beginning of the year in 2019 and they were both getting moved up so they were even getting promoted and moving up together as well so i know they were both excited about it and it's interesting like Versions of the same profiles for a righty and the lefty, both being in the lower 90s, uh, having certain specific off-speed pitches and with the movement, that's going to make it work for them. And they may also both project out as possible, if not full-time starters, they could both be those versions of the long long man relievers, swing mans, or those guys you call up from the SP6 to 8 uh, to fill a spot in the rotation.
1: Yeah, you know, I I would be kicking myself if I didn't ask you another Kevin Smith question while I have you here. I know we're mostly talking about Tommy Wilson, but, you know, there was some concern from Kevin Smith's season this year with the Orioles. It was his first in the O system after they acquired him uh, in the Miguel Castro trade at the deadline in 2020. And, you know, he had a great start to the year in double A. He had been great in double A for the Mets. And the Orioles said, well, he's he's clearly mastered double A. Let's send him to triple A. He had some really, really bad starts in AAA, ended with some really, really tough-looking numbers. And I just wanted to ask you, like I know you obviously weren't as locked into his Orioles starts as you were when, when he was pitching in the Mets system, but you know, can, can you give Orioles fans a, a little bit of hope? Because they still added him to the 40-man roster this offseason. They still protected him from the Rule 5 draft. The O's still see a lot in Kevin Smith, but kind of what does the good Kevin Smith look like, and, and how do you think he can rebound from what was a tough season?
0: I mean, the, the good Kevin Smith is what you were seeing flashes of, especially with the biggest thing being velocity, fastball velocity. Everyone still freaks out about it, even for lefties. And, but the concern was the velocity was starting to dip at a certain point, I believe, even with the Orioles organization. So that would be the big concern. But then in 2021, the, the velocity was back where it needed to be. I believe it might've also been at least touching maybe 93 uh, might've been the highest. I can't remember if it went any higher than 93, but I'm told if he's sitting at that 91, 93 as a lefty with his improved changeup, I believe was uh, a pitch he's been working on for at least like two years. So with some of those pitches being improved and working, and I know there was some stuff with also mechanics, even uh, weight training, certain things he was trying to do in the last couple of years, even from, back in college when he was almost touching even 95 but getting into some of the mechanics the training uh your physical body itself he's been working on a few things even beyond pitching for the last two years so that's why putting all that together and even getting stronger right now as we speak in the off season i think they believe in him because they believe in the training and the work ethic they believe in the velocity being back to where it is because it temporarily dipped uh is my understanding about it prior So now it's back to where it needs to be. The training is is there. The changeup is there. So that's why the Orioles obviously still see something in him, and the Mets saw something in him. Mets coaches behind the scenes were projecting and telling him to his face, we see you as a major leaguer in about two years, and that was in 2019. So maybe the lost season hurts that as well, but there were fellow coaches and really respected longtime pitching coaches believing in his stuff one way or another, seeing him as a major leaguer.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the hope that, you know, even in 2022, he can become a major leaguer. I know the Orioles are going to start him at AAA again, kind of give him a, a reset at the AAA level. But they put him on the 40-man, they protected him from the Rule 5 draft, and putting him on the 40-man usually means, you know, you got a, you know, 75- plus percent chance you're going to pitch in the big leagues probably that next year uh so hoping we're going to see that now one more thing for you back to to tommy wilson and you know it's interesting to kind of go through his stats and look what kind of pitcher he's been as he's gone from a starter maybe to more of a reliever now and you know a former 19th round pick it's not like he was this you know big time signing in terms of the draft or was a huge prospect at any time but he just seems to be one of the more interesting guys in the world of, of minor league baseball. I mean, his dad is, is Biff from back to the future. Uh, he you know, has over 10,000 followers on Twitter because he's a, a digital NFT artist. I mean, I just wanted to give you kind of the floor at the end here to kind of let you share anything else about Tommy Wilson that we haven't talked about, whether it be baseball or not, because, you know, besides the baseball stuff, it seemed like the O's were getting just an interesting guy to follow uh, coming into their system.
0: Yeah, he's definitely an interesting and creative guy and maybe even a little bit more outspoken because uh, Kevin Smith is a a lot more of a quiet guy. I think the Baltimore market could be perfect for him. Uh, Yeah. Much better idea to have a Kevin Smith in Baltimore. It could be perfect for him, but Tommy's got more of a bigger personality. He's even been on some podcasts where I was asking if he's going to be in any more. He's like, I don't know. He's, he's a busy guy right now, mostly because of the baseball and this, this digital art, his uh, little digital creative genius which he's kind of trying to be humble about not nah, on overhype it, but I know he's excited about the creativeness and the, the NFTs that he's been getting into big time. So it's kind of cool to see and how that'll be. It's like his own version of bringing awareness to it uh, in professional baseball, but also being a, a special artist in some of this new age stuff. And even again, back to the pitching stuff, it might also be more about his cutter. He was most excited about his cutter in uh 2021 and, he even admittedly said that he wasn't happy with his changeup and the consistency of it. So it looks like the whole plan is keep the cutter exactly where it is, but he needs to tighten up his changeup and he knows it. And that's the plan he's going through all off season to hit the upper minors running with the changeup being more improved.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with, with his experience at double a, and with having, you know, that success at double a, especially if he's going to stay in the bullpen. I mean, I can definitely see a scenario where he starts the year at triple a next year, Uh, with the Orioles working out of that Norfolk bullpen. And once you're in that AAA bullpen and you're in an organization like Baltimore's, which is looking for pitching at all times, all bets are off at any point. That next step could be Camden yards for you. And uh, we'll see if uh, that comes for Tommy Wilson at any point in 2022, but Ernest, thank you so much for joining us uh, to give us some more insight on uh, one of the newest Orioles and Hey, you know what? Usually, this event, the minor league rule five draft, is not the biggest event of the offseason. Uh, but here in the lockout, we are focusing big time on these players brought in because it's uh, it's the only thing we got right now. But uh, Ernest, thanks again.
0: Thanks, man. Again, yeah, just uh, I was really excited to do it. And if you want, you could always catch me on the sports report, it's part of Sports Wire Radio on a uh, sportinarium.com backslash pray player. And I also interviewed uh, Tommy Wilson for an article on maxmets.blogspot.com. Otherwise, just, hey, if you want to get into any minor league junkie stuff, you can still always find me on Twitter at Ernest Dove.
1: So we'll get back to the Orioles talk in just a second. But 1st going to tell you about betonline.ag. Now, you know, them; it's, it's the top place to go bet on anything sports related. And they've got you covered all season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. As football season continues, the march to the playoffs, crazy to think, but only four weeks left in the NFL season, starting tonight with Thursday Night Football, and BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Not just football; you throw in college basketball, the NBA, NHL—you know everything across the board as uh, you know things continue to heat up. So, head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LockedOn to receive that 50% welcome bonus from basketball football nhl boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and you do it at betonline.ag where the game starts so again our thanks to ernest dove for joining the podcast to talk about tommy wilson Again, as he said, you can follow him on Twitter at Ernest Dove uh, for some good Mets minor league content as well and uh, it was also good to hear from him to talk about Kevin Smith a little bit and you know kind of that cool relationship it seems that Kevin Smith and Tommy Wilson have dating back to their time together in the Mets system now they're both going to be in the Orioles system and i would not be surprised if the two each start the year uh, on the Norfolk Tides roster in triple a in 2022 you know for smith he obviously had his struggles at triple a he's been added to the 40 man roster but the orioles are definitely going to send him back to triple a and let him work and for wilson you know, he's going to be 26 in May. He's already spent parts of two different seasons in A. Probably a pretty good chance he starts the year out of the Norfolk Tides A bullpen next year. So those two would be teammates, you would think, once again for the Tides. And, and good to hear Ernest talk about, you know, Kevin Smith still has a, a lot of good stuff happening for him. But for Wilson, you know, it's an interesting piece. A guy who, you know, had the success as a reliever, but had always been a starter until this year. And so it's probably, you know, definitely still in his mind that he still could be a starter and we'll see, you know, what kind of role the Orioles use him in. And I would think he's probably going to pitch in some sort of hybrid role, get some starts, get some relief outings, maybe pitch as a piggyback guy in some long relief. And the Orioles will kind of test him out in different ways, probably in Norfolk next season and really see what they have in Wilson. But obviously they had targeted him in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft because, you know, the Mariners picked him up and the Orioles went and immediately traded for him from the Mariners. And How it works is, you know, when when you pick a guy in the minor league rule five draft, you send $25,000 to the other team to, you know, essentially purchase, you know, that player uh, from the other team. But, you know, basically what would have happened was, you know, the Orioles definitely gave Seattle more than $25,000 and said, you know, we would like Tommy Wilson as sort of a a transfer fee for him. And because they had gotten him for $25,000, the Orioles give him more. And if they don't value him, you know, As much as the O's do, that's how Mike Elias was able to go get him. They obviously had their eyes on Wilson, and uh, Elias makes it happen. And uh, we'll see what he can do out of the Orioles' bullpen. And it was interesting to hear about kind of the the change in delivery as well and, you know, hearing how he he had the ball out of his glove so early that maybe guys were were picking up what pitch was coming, and he fixed that. And the the numbers show you that at AA he was much better this season. But we also touched on it as well, I mean – Tommy Wilson's got an interesting life outside of baseball as well. He's got, you know, over 10,000 followers on Twitter, as we talked about. Uh, He's a digital artist who designs NFTs, and he is, you know, apparently like huge uh, in the NFT game right now. And uh, you can follow him at Tommy underscore Wilson underscore and you know i legitimately have no idea what an nft is what goes on there i have no information on the subject and i don't want to know anything about it but uh it seems like he's carved down a nice little path for himself with all these followers um verified on twitter because of it uh going to a lot of you know kind of convention things for it it looks like he's been on a lot of nft centered podcasts as well to talk about his art and uh you know good for him he found something that he's passionate about outside of baseball as well and a way for him to, you know, obviously make uh, some more money, too, which uh, we know, obviously, these minor leaguers aren't getting paid a whole lot. And then for Wilson also, well, y- you may know his father. His dad is Thomas Wilson, the actor who is best known for playing Biff Tannen in the Back to the Future movies. Uh, you know, obviously, the uh, the bully, the antagonist in the movie also plays a, a lot of different roles um, in Back to the Future, too. And three, um, if you haven't seen Back to the Future, you should watch it. A pretty good movie franchise. If you, if you don't know who I'm talking about, go look him up. You see him, you will recognize Thomas Wilson. He was also a huge uh, supportive dad slash fan of of his son, Tommy Wilson. When Tommy uh, was pitching in college at Cal State Fullerton, you could see Thomas kind of in the front row at all of Tommy's uh, appearances in the NCAA tournament in his final year at Fullerton in 2018. Uh, The broadcast showed him a lot just going crazy uh, when his son was getting strikeouts on the mound. Uh, So I would, uh, to be honest, I would love to see Biff Tannin at Camden Yards, uh, if we can get him there in uh, you know maybe 2023 when uh, Tommy Wilson hopefully uh, gets himself to the big leagues with the Orioles. And one more thing on Thomas Wilson, he uh, has also voiced a lot of the you know very minor characters on SpongeBob. So uh, the duality of man, Back to the Future, and voicing characters on SpongeBob as well. But that that is Tommy Wilson, the Orioles' uh, new right-handed pitcher, also the son of an actor and an NFT artist. And uh, he did have a a funny tweet we talked about with with Ernest about him, you know, thanking the Seattle Mariners organization for the uh, about three hours he spent with them as well. But, you know, we'll see if this kind of new delivery from him uh, and and the stuff he's working on, especially that cutter that Ernest talked about, uh, will maybe help get him to the big leagues. And as we talked about, you know, you can basically add him in with Hoffman and Uvala as the Orioles We'll call it three selections in the minor league rule five draft. And you're hoping that one of them can just get to the big leagues. If one of those three guys gets to the big leagues, that is a win for the minor league phase of the rule five draft. But the Orioles seem like they did pretty well and could even see more than that uh, when those guys continue to climb up the ranks in the system did have kind of one other piece of Orioles news to get to before we go talked about uh, earlier this week on the pod about the Orioles officially announcing their uh, major league coaching staff for the 2022 season and although we kind of knew you know what everybody was doing there was you know a little bit of of shuffling and uh some interesting uh, kind of new titles for some people and and you know what they're actually going to do next season now freddie gonzalez is back of course the former atlanta braves manager who has been uh with brandon hyde this entire time now freddie gonzalez has kind of had an interesting role because his role has essentially just been major league coach for the last two seasons for the orioles but we basically kind of assumed that freddie gonzalez was the bench coach and you know whenever brandon hyde would get ejected gonzalez became the manager usually for the orioles but Apparently, this is the first time next year that Freddie Gonzalez will have the official title of bench coach. It will be the first time uh, under Brandon Hyde that he has actually had an official bench coach on his staff. Now, according to Rakabako of Masson, he is saying that Gonzalez's duties basically won't really change much. It's just a title change. He'll be doing what he was already doing for the Orioles. But it is interesting that he wasn't actually called bench coach uh, up until now. And there's also a little bit of shifting about where guys are going to be. During the games, uh, Tim Cousins, who is back with the Orioles, who's the Major League Field Coordinator and the Catching Instructor, who uh, actually Vinny Rotino on yesterday's episode when we talked about Jacob Nottingham, had some great things to say about Tim Cousins, uh, knowing him from his playing days and and talking about how well uh, he should be able to work with Jacob Nottingham. Uh, He's going to move to the bullpen, so he will be in the bullpen during games as well. And uh, it looks like Darren Holmes will be maybe more so in the dugout. Who uh, is the assistant pitching coach to work with Chris Holt? All this coming from Rakibako from Mass and Jose Hernandez, who's been the assistant hitting coach. He's just going to be called a major league coach uh, this season. And then the kind of last thing that has been talked about is it looks like in terms of the hitting coaches, Ryan Fuller uh, and Matt Borg-Schulte were hired as co-hitting coaches. It looks like Fuller is going to be in the dugout as the hitting coach. And Borg-Schulte might kind of be back, uh, you know, underground in the batting cage essentially during the games to work with the hitters who want to go get some work in between innings. You know, DH getting some swings, whatever it may be um, in terms of where they're kind of going to be positioned during games. The O's also made one more promotion I didn't mention. Uh, That was Grant Anders, who was promoted to Major League Player Development Analyst. Uh, He was the development coach in AA Bowie this season, um, and he's been at spring training the past couple of years. Uh, The O's hired him in November of 2019 after he was working in baseball ops with the Reds that season after graduating from Radford um, and and working as their director of baseball ops for the Radford baseball team. Um, But he will kind of be working with the major league analytics as well for the Orioles as uh, they made a a whole lot of kind of promotions changes and uh, just a lot of kind of inside baseball, literally stuff going on. Uh, But it's kind of interesting to to read about it. And and Rockabaco put together a really good article on Masson about it on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, mostly it's going to be, kind of the same faces. You know, we talk about Bork Schulte and Fuller coming in, but other than that, a lot of the same guys in the dugout. And again, Brandon Hyde got that one-year extension. We'll see beyond that, but he will be at Orioles manager in 2022. But here on the podcast, we've got one more episode this week coming up for you tomorrow. And of course, it's another edition of Free Agent Friday on the pod tomorrow. Now we know we're in a lockout. and The Orioles can't really sign major league free agents right now. They can still sign minor league free agents, but Not major league guys, but we're still going to talk about guys that they could sign when this lockout ends. Because listen, we know the Orioles still need more pitching. And tomorrow, going to talk about left-handed starting pitchers. Going to talk about three guys who the Orioles could potentially bring in whenever this lockout ends and hopefully help the rotation look a little bit better in 2022 but that's coming up on tomorrow's episode to finish off the week here on the pod until then i'm connor newcomb and this has been the locked on orioles podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day